Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person find a life full of freedom and purpose through Jesus. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another Rescue at Home my name is Josh Overton. I have the privilege of being the pastor here at this church and, and just building this church with some incredible people. As always, it is an honor to be with you wherever and however you're watching this. I just want to say good morning. I want to make sure that you know that uh, this week you should be receiving the church kits that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. This is a box uh, that we have created to resource you and to equip you uh, to still be church and to do church even outside of our typical Sunday morning gathering, right? And so we can still exist, we can still function even outside the four walls, and we should. In fact, this entire series, Brick and Mortar, is about uh, not just being a physical building, but a, a people that God is building. And so you can go to rescuechurchnc.com slash kit to fill out that form. It's completely free to you. We just want to resource you. It's going to be uh, really cool. A lot of great things inside of that, including some merch. So make sure you go and fill that out if you have not done it and be on the lookout over the next few days for that to arrive for you. As I said, we've been in this series, Brick and Mortar, now for four weeks. And really, we've been pulling from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, this entire time. It's been the foundation. Let's just read it together. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. This is God's feelings towards us. This is, his, this is how uh, he feels about us. This is what he thinks about us. And this is what he is calling us up and into. In other words, when we say things like you are part of God's family, this is him defining what that looks like. And so here he's calling us a royal priesthood. Now, if you think about a priest or in our context, a pastor, you think of the person, right, preaching to you right now. You think of someone on a platform. You think of someone who, who officiates a wedding, who shows up to visit you in the hospital, someone that prays for you. And here God is saying that you, not just you that are ordained into ministry, not just you who have pastor in front of your name, but you, all of you, my sons and daughters, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And so we spent the past few weeks defining what that is, how we can function as the priest of our homes, the priest of our neighborhoods, of our communities, our job sites. We are a holy nation. God continues. He says, you are a people for his own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies, in other words, the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are children of the light. That's our identity. That is a part of the effect of belonging and being adopted into the family of God. And so we really have broken down this verse. This will be week four. We started by looking at covenant and how really we can't understand salvation until we understand covenant. What does that mean? Simply that God wanted a family. He wanted his family back and he moved heaven and earth to make that happen. Now think about this. When, when two 
parties join together, when there is a union, when there is a marriage, there's something that happens there. The groom transfers something over to the bride. He transfers his name over to, to, to her, right? And then they grow a family of their own and they have children. And then that name gets passed on, but not just the name, also the image. So what does it mean simply to be part of God's family? Well, that we have not only been given, but we are supposed to, we are called to reflect God's name, bear God's name and bear God's image to the world around us. Then we looked at a really churchy word, sanctification. Uh, we looked at the word holiness, right? What does it mean to be holy? When, when God calls us a holy nation, that doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't even really, he's not even really talking about behavior in, in, in its essence, because if you try to put behavior before intimacy, you're going to realize that you're always going to miss the mark. But God knows that if there's intimacy there, if he gets your heart and there's freedom in your life, then the obedience to behavior will adjust itself. In other words, when he calls us holy, he's saying that I am set apart, right? Be holy for I am holy. I am set apart. I am unique. I am other. Therefore, you, because you reflect my name, right, because you belong to this family, you should behave differently. You should react differently. You should do things that look different and weird and unique even at times, like forgiveness, which is what we talked about last week as we unpacked freedom, right? As we unpacked what it meant to move from darkness to light, that's simply freedom and how so many of us could experience a whole new level of freedom if we could find a way to forgive, if we could find a way to let go. If you missed any of those, you can find them video on demand at YouTube, uh, of course, or on our podcast, uh, which is available on our website, rescuechurchnc.com. And really what God does for us right here is he lays out so clearly not only the, the benefits that we receive uh, when we come into his family, but really he shows us like, hey, you're a part of the family now, which also means you're part of the family business. And so in other words, we see that there is covenant, right? There is salvation. There is sanctification. There is this set apart otherness. There is this freedom. But if you read this verse, all of these things were done and we, we were entrusted with these things and were brought to us so that we can proclaim his praise. And so today I want to just kind of show you what it means to unpack praise, the, really the demonstration of that. And so praise and giving and serving are all simple ways that we can glorify God with our lives. You could say it this way, that these are demonstrations of our identity because we are chosen, because we are called into priesthood, because we are set apart. Some simple steps that every single person here can do today is to praise, it is to give, and it is to serve. Because remember, what does God want? A family. I know that I keep saying this over and over and over. And really, based on your experience of family, that lands on you probably a million different ways. But God is defining, and perhaps for you, he's redefining what that means. It's, it's an intimate, it, it is a belonging type language there. He wants 
us in his family. And so when you look at um, throughout the Bible, you kind of see different moments where God uh, instructs his people to praise, to worship a certain way, uh, certain things he requires, certain things that he likes and then things that he doesn't want to happen. Right. But when we come into Psalm 22, we see an interesting verse there. 22 verse 3 it simply says that God inhabits the praises of his people now I've been in ministry for 10 years I've said this so many different times in fact I've said it on Sunday mornings when we were meeting at Rogers her that hey guys can't you feel it in the room God's presence is here the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people so let's be a people of praise and you know we can get the the energy up in the room and the excitement in the room and and all of this is true. God does dwell in the midst of his people. His, his presence is there, uh, but it's really twofold. Not only does God's spirit inhabit the praises of his people, the real, like, well, I won't say the real, because it's really kind of two translations here. That's one of them. The other one is that, that literally our praises, our acknowledgement, of who God is and what he's done for us, that those literally enthrone him in heaven. That's what um, brings him glory, is when we acknowledge and magnify him. So not only is he in the midst of where we are now, but our praises literally reach heaven. That's weighty. That's, do you see the, the, the imagery there that we are literally giving God the highest honor, that we are placing him as, as Lord, as King, and as God. Now, maybe that's too distant for you. Maybe that's too, just, you don't relate to that. So let's, let's take it back down to the context of family. Everyone knows what it means to gather around the table with your family. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I would, I would guess that like most people, and just like my family, everyone kind of has their assigned seats. I remember going to uh, my grandma's house for every major holiday, and I could tell you right now exactly where she was sitting and where my grandfather was sitting. And despite anything that had happened throughout the year, maybe any conflict, any dysfunction, any disagreement, for those gatherings, there was one place for my grandpa to sit, and that was at the head of the table. Because he was the patriarch of the family. He was the elder. He had the place of honor. Praising is very symbolic of giving God the, the highest place at the table, giving him the honor that he deserves. And if you follow this thread throughout Scripture, God wants his family back. And when God gets his family back, and remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago, when he was on Mount Sinai with Moses, he looked over Israel and all throughout the Old Testament. And he says, I will be your God. And you will be my people. Now that language there of people, that's not individuals only. That's communal. That's, that's family. In other words, hey, I will be your father and you will be my children, my family. So you could say it this way, that praise is just giving God the highest honor at the table. Praise is literally our expression of that honor to God. Praise should absolutely be our response. I want you to write that down. Praise 
should always be our response. Even in the midst of pain, even in the middle of a problem, even in a pandemic, even right now when the chaos of trying to figure out where your kids are going to school and how many days they're going to school and or if you're going to stay at home and, and go through virtual learning and how that affects you as an individual. Or perhaps you're a college student yourself and life is so crazy right now and it doesn't make sense to give God praise. But because he is of the highest honor and because we are in his family. It should absolutely be our response. And here's why. Because when we come together and you look at God and you give him praise and you acknowledge him and you say, God, here I am. I don't understand it. I'm hurt. I'm confused. There's doubt. I've got questions. But despite all of that, no matter mountain or valley, here I am. It gives God the opportunity to say, and here I am. This is the God who inhabits your praise. And so if the only time you are praising is when it feels good, if the only time you're praising is when the band does your favorite song, if the only time you're praising is on a Sunday morning during a service in an actual facility, you're missing an incredible opportunity to extend an invitation to God to step into the middle of your pain and to step into the middle of your problem and meet you right there. He inhabits the praises of his people, his family. He's a God who is not distant. He may be distinct, but he's not distant, right? He's near and he cares. Our response should be praise. Now, in the midst of pain, in the midst of problems, again, this isn't about pretending that those things aren't real, that you don't have some real issues in your life. Like We're not pretending that that's not the case. But in the middle of that, one simple way that you can praise is to proclaim the promise. Now, if you've never been around a five-year-old, uh, then maybe you don't quite understand what this means. But as a father of three kids who are six, seven, and eight years old, let me tell you who does the best job at proclaiming a promise. That's, that's a five-year-old. That's a six, seven, eight-year-old. They remember everything. And here's what they're really good at. They're really good at pinning things on you that you didn't even say. Like, hey, Dad, remember when you said, Dad, you promised me. Dad, you said I could have the, a popsicle. Like, you said I could have for the fifth time today, but I didn't. But yeah, you did. Like, they are all about adamant about proclaiming that time that you promised that thing six months ago. Right. Or like, hey, dad, remember that one time we saw that that convertible Mustang go down the road and you said, dad. And I said, dad, can I have one of those? Right. Remember that time you promised me, even though you didn't. But remember, you did. Like, come on. They're really good at it. And I'm certainly not saying that we would fabricate anything in terms of God. But the Bible is is just filled with so many promises and declarations from a God who loves us, from our father to his kids. And in the midst of pain, in the midst of, of misunderstanding, in the midst of questions, this is the absolute best time. In the middle of the valley, this is the best time to proclaim a promise, to praise our God. Promises like Romans 8, 28, for God is going to work all things out for the good of those who love him. 
for his glory, for those who are called according to his purpose. This is a great promise to claim, and here's why. And here's another reason why it's, it's absolutely important that we develop this rhythm of proclaiming the promise, that we praise even in pain, that praise is our response. Here's why. Because of what Romans 8.28 says. Yes, the good part of that verse is that he's working all things out for his glory and to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we do this, why? Because his purpose is not always our purpose. There's a lot of things that God does, or there's a lot of things that we want God to do, but we want him to do it our way. We want him to work it out the way that we've structured it out in our mind. We want him to go by this step-by-step plan. We want him to intervene. We want him to do it our way, but our purpose is not always his purpose. The Bible tells us that his ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we proclaim this not out of ignorance or not out of arrogance. We proclaim the goodness of God, the promise of God, even in the middle of pain, even in the middle of struggle. Why? Because of alignment. It aligns us to the process that he has for us. A process that is for his glory and his purpose. And guess what? His purpose is always for two things. For me and for those around me. For us and for those around us. Think about it. Think about it. What do we, when we have a problem, what do we want? A solution. We want it to be fixed. And ultimately, we want it so that we don't have to deal with it anymore. But I have come to understand and learn the hard way, like many of you, that as soon as one problem is solved, guess what's on the horizon? Another problem. Jesus tried to warn us, like in this life, on this side of heaven, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be problems. There's going to be valley after valley after valley. But take hope. What is our hope in? It is in Jesus. But here's the thing is we want our problems solved. We want them fixed. And as a result of that, we totally dismiss what God wants to do in us. And watch this now. And through us. The Bible, again, is filled up where God sometimes placed people in a very problematic situation so that his purpose and his glory would be fulfilled. What if Daniel would have copped out? What if David would have copped out? What if any of the disciples would have copped out? What if Paul would have copped out? They were in some very problematic situations. In fact, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in jail. They're going to be sentenced to die. And you can pick this up in Acts 16. You can start reading there. The Bible says they begin to praise. They lift up a sound. They begin to proclaim the goodness and the promises of God. And the very presence of God inhabits, literally, it inhabits their praises. The walls begin to shake and collapse. And and the chains fall off. And everyone in the prison essentially set free. The jailer who was there to guard them, knew that if they escaped, it would be his fault. He would be held liable and he would be killed. So the Bible says he was taking his sword out to kill himself so that he wouldn't have to go 
through any of that trial and endure that pain. And Paul and Silas are standing there in the rubble. They could have just went on. They could have just said, oh, this is our escape. This is our escape from the purpose of why we were sent here. But the Bible says they were standing there in the rubble. And like, hey, don't, don't put, your, put your sword down. Like, we're right here. We're right here. And as a result of that, the jailer and an entire generation of people are saved. His family is saved. Like he, legacies are changed as a result of people not tapping out, of not trying to escape a problem, but choosing to praise, choosing to trust God's process. To just think of problems simply as a process that God needs us to walk out primarily for His glory, yes, but also for His purpose. And that purpose always involves us and those that He desires us to reach. Praise should be our response. And let's, you know, I probably don't need to say this, but let's just, let's just make it plain, right? Um, praise is not only singing and worship and praying. Like those are all beautiful demonstrations of praise. But if praise is about giving God the highest place of honor, then it comes in many different varieties. And maybe we've never thought of giving as anything other than a transaction. But And really, it's not even a transaction as much as it is a demonstration of our praise. Because giving listen to me, is not about money. I know it involves money, but giving is not about money. It's about two things, loyalty and lordship. When you understand the principle of tithing, how God implemented this in scripture throughout his people that he set apart, he instructed them to reflect this, to bear this. Remember, we're bearing God's image, name, his likeness, Okay, so God is other, we are other, and then to demonstrate this, to separate us from everyone else, right? Part of that was setting apart certain things in our life for him. So back to two weeks ago when we talked about priest. What does a priest do? In its most basic form, a priest simply sets up an environment. He sets up space for people to encounter God, sacred space. So giving isn't just something that the pastor does when he is trying to get something from you, okay? Giving isn't even primarily about money. It's about where your loyalty is. It's about who's actually Lord of your life. And so this is an opportunity for us as a chosen people, a set-apart people, a royal priesthood to demonstrate, to create sacred space in our life, in our finances, and to place God at the highest honor in all arenas of our life. Giving is that. Let's think about it this way. We've talked a lot about the Sabbath, the, the Friday table, in which we come together and we sacrifice what? Our time. You give up your time. You give up your activity to rest in the Creator. You come to a, a stopping point to remember that you're not a human doing, you're a human being. You, you come to a stopping point to realize 
that, that you are worth more and that God values you more than what you produce. These are all good things to be reminded of. We sacrifice our time. And in what way? When you come around the table, the communion table, right? The, the bread and the juice to remember what? God's grace. We, we take communion at the table to remember God's grace. When you tithe, you're remembering that God is first. And if that doesn't help you, then let me just tell you two simple things about giving. At bare minimum, when you give, you are demonstrating what God did for us. John 3, 16, a verse that we can all quote. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave his most prized possession, his first to come after us, to rescue us. So at the, at the, the minimum thing that we're doing when we tithe is we are reflecting and demonstrating what God did for us. The second thing about giving, though, is also when you take that first 10%, okay, what you're saying is that this isn't common. It's not like the rest. I'm setting it apart. The principle of the first fruit. So I understand 100% the conversations that, that you have with the spouse saying, I don't know how we're going to pay the light bill this month. I don't know how we're going to be able to do X, Y, Z. But when you create that sacred space and you praise God through your giving, you proclaim the promises of God through your giving, through your trust, your faith. What does the Bible promise that he will do? He will inhabit the praises of his people. You literally are creating space to invite God into an arena of your life that he can bring freedom. He can bring structure like you. You bring that area of your life under the guidance and the authority of the creator, the owner of it all. You bring it underneath him and invite him to bring order and peace and prosperity, blessing to your life. That's why when I talk about money, I don't like doing the usual hook of, well, if you give, then God's going to bless you. I know people that uh, gave, started tithing, and then lost their job. Like that story exists as much as the ones of I started tithing and then I got a raise. I got a promotion. Like they're both there because life is real and sin and evil and things happen in our life. So it's not even primarily about the blessing financially as it is about the order, the loyalty, the the lordship of, of giving that despite anything that you could ever do for me, God, you've done enough. By, by ransoming my life, you, you've done enough. I owe you my loyalty. I owe you my lordship. And so if there's anything I want you to hear, it's that giving is absolutely a demonstration of praise. And it's not even primarily about money. It involves it, but it's about loyalty and lordship. And then the third really just simple demonstration that I want to point out to you here today is serving. And for us at Rescue, we have served our community, our city from day one. So many of you watching this here today have been a faithful part of our dream team, setting up spaces, 
loving on people, serving kids, teaching kids, creating environments and opportunities for others to come into a life of freedom and purpose through Jesus. And, and right now, the, again, I mention it all the time, but we have a team that literally there's someone working on rescue at home almost every day of the week to produce this service right now. I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, over the past few months as we have been shuffling and, and just trying to figure out exactly how we can still function as a church and begin to kind of rebuild some things and tweak things, um, some of the opportunities to serve have been removed. But I'm super excited to tell you over the next few weeks as we roll out phase two for Rescue Church that there is going to be an opportunity for you to connect that way once again. And think of it this way. You remember growing up, right, having chores to do, having certain things. Maybe you even are part or were a part of the family business, so to speak, okay? So there were expectations that, hey, if you are going to live in this house, right, if you're going to be a part of this family, then you're going to contribute. I don't mind helping you out. I don't mind giving you an allowance, but you are going to absolutely contribute to this. It's, it's everyone has a role to play in this family, that's a great way to look at serving, not as an obligation, but out of a response of belonging. Like, I, I, I want to pitch in because this is my family. This is my house. This is my city. This is my neighborhood, my community. I, I want a piece of this. The holidays are a great example as well because, you know, you get together with 20, 30 people. Almost everyone has a job, Right. Someone's cooking, the, you know, or grilling or, you know, deep frying a turkey. Someone's bringing the sides. Someone's bringing the desserts. Someone's bringing the drinks. Um, someone's cleaning up. Someone's playing with the kids. Like there's someone has everyone has a job. Everyone has a role to play. And ultimately, look at Jesus. Who didn't take his his equality with God as a privilege, but literally lowered himself. And as Mark 10, 45 says, Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Rescue Church didn't, we didn't plant to be served. We planted to serve. We're mobilizing into homes not to be served. We're mobilizing into homes to serve. And to position ourselves to serve more effectively than we ever have before. Simply, if we are God's people, His chosen people, His royal priesthood. Listen to me, believers. Listen to this today. Like we, That kind of removes the excuse that the pastor is going to do it. That kind of removes the excuse that the, the staff is going to do it, the lead team. Like, we are all called to be a part of this. Everyone has a role. If you're part of God's family, everyone should praise. Everyone should give. Everyone should serve. Not out of condemnation or obligation, but because you belong. And we all pitch in here. Because we want to put God at the, at the highest place at the table. We want to honor Him. And we want to reflect His glory and His purpose to those around us we are all part of this we are we all have a part to play a role to play and so we right now have i've 
try to make it as basic and simple as possible. But over the past four weeks, I've laid out for you how we as a church can exist regardless if we ever go back to meeting in a bigger facility for a service. Now, again, that day is going to come. But even if we never do, I've literally laid out, removed every excuse and obstacle for how we as a church, a church made up of people, not a church building, can exist and not just exist, but thrive and function. I I literally have showed you that, hey, uh, you can survive outside of the aquarium, okay? We don't have to be fish out of water. God has called us and purposed us and set us apart and given us this responsibility to praise, to serve, to give, among others. Those are just some of the basics. These are some of the steps that literally anyone watching this here today can take. And that's my invitation to you now is just want to spend a few minutes and I want to invite you to take a step today. We do this every week, honest to God, hoping and praying that you'll take a step, a step on your journey. And for some of you, that's your very first step. And we're going to be as excited as every mom and dad watching their kid take their first step for you when you take that first step towards Jesus today, to accept him as your savior, to accept your rescue, your salvation, your forgiveness of sins. Your, uh, you, you get to sign your adoption papers today. And, and right now in the comments, there are, there's a prayer uh, being posted that will guide you. And there's no power in this, but it's just simply a guide, something that you can pray out loud to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. That's your first step. And then the beautiful, the, the good news is after that, Every step is with Jesus and it's with his family. And so here's the next step for every single person today is of the three things that we talked about. And really, there are all three demonstrations of praise. But maybe your praise has gone silent in the problem. Maybe your praise has gone silent uh, in the valley. You've allowed the valley, the confusion, the pain, the the problem to to steal your voice. Okay, well, today we reclaim that. So maybe you're great at praising on the mountain, but maybe your step today is to praise, to proclaim the promise in the valley. Perhaps your step today is to begin giving towards God's kingdom and the advancement of his mission and and, and literally equipping and resourcing us as a church to continue to move in the direction that God has for us as we prepare to go into phase two and to mobilize across, across homes and to continue to release love to the city and the communities around us. Perhaps today is your step to, to start giving Praising God, not with money, but your loyalty, right? To invite him into a habit, that area of your life. Perhaps today, your next step is to begin serving the Lord, serving the people around you. And as I said, we are in the next week or two rolling out uh, our first uh, heart and soul night Uh, for Rescue at Home. And here's what that means. We truly believe that the people that serve our church, 
serve in our church and serve through our church. They are the heart and soul of, of what makes us who we are. They, they are the driving force uh, behind our mission, right? And so if you are at all interested in serving and learning more about the roles and opportunities that we have coming up, then stay tuned. You will receive uh, an email. You'll see social announcements. We'll talk about it even more here at Rescue at Home on Sundays uh, for the upcoming Heart and Soul gathering. That will be online. It will be a Zoom uh, chat just so we can try to get as many people on, you know, on that call as possible uh, to hear about the next step. So make sure you're looking for that. But regardless of, of that, I, I, really, I really just want to implore you to take a moment just for a second right where you are. And I'm just going to um, just kind of step back for a second. And there's going to be a verse on the screen that kind of fades in. And I want to take 60 seconds. I just want you to you know, read this verse and then just ask yourself, ask God right now where you are. What step do I need to take today? Is it towards you? Is it with you? Is it praising you? Is it giving? Is it serving? What step can I take today? So let's just spend just a moment reflecting and asking God what that is. Thank you for listening. Join us each week here on the pod or live in Durham. Keep up with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Rescue Church NC.